Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Here we are continuing on in the third message in our series in the book of Jonah. And it's entitled, you'll see it on the screen, A Portrait of God's Grace. Now there's a a lot of people here from watching online from different backgrounds of what does it mean? Different things can come to mind when you think, what does God's grace actually mean? What is God's grace? What is the purpose of it? Well, let, let's get the Bible's definition of what God says his grace is. You'll see it on the screen, write this down. We've been unpacking it over the last two weeks already. God's grace is God's undeserved favor. God's undeserved favor displayed towards me and motivated by his love for me. There is God's grace. God's undeserved favor. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. It is undeserved favor displayed towards me and motivated by his love. And you ready for some good news today, loved ones? You ready? Ready for some good news? All right. Hey, kids, kids, where's my children? Oh, I love you so much. Hey, hey, kids, eyes up. You ready for some good news tonight? Oh, you can do better than that. Come on. Kids, you ready for some good news? That's what I'm talking about. All right, here we go. Here's some great news, loved ones. Tune in. God is grace. I'll say it again. God is is grace. Say that with me. Go. God is grace. God is grace. And as such, because he is grace, he only acts with grace. God only acts with grace towards his creation, including you and I. He only acts with grace towards his creation. And he demonstrates, get this, this is mind-blowing, he demonstrates his grace in everything he does. And this is so clear in the book of Jonah. It's beautiful. Now let's recap, get us caught up here in case you haven't been here the last couple weeks. We started out in Jonah chapter one, verses one to six, as the pursuit of God's grace. As God is pursuing the rebellious prophet Jonah after he told him to go to Nineveh, and Jonah didn't want to go. He hated the Ninevites. They were the greatest enemies of Israel, and Jonah was like, forget this, I'm going to Tarshish, which was the farthest place he could have gone at the time, 3,000 miles in the opposite direction. And God's pursuing him with the tempest. He hurls the tempest. And then last week we saw in verses 7 to 17, we saw the provision of grace. God's provision of grace to Jonah. God's provision of grace to the sailors on a boat as he saves them. And now today, watch this, watch this. Now we see the purpose of grace. Pursuit of grace, provision of grace, and now the purpose of grace. The purpose of why God gives us this unmerited favor out of his steadfast love for us. Let me ask you a question. Loved ones, if someone were to come up to you on the street and ask you this question, ready? What would you say? What is the purpose of God's grace towards us at all times and all things? What, like, why does he do it? Think about this. What is the purpose? Motivated by his love, but what's the purpose? Like, he could provide us with anything. Why be gracious? What would you say? Now, as I said earlier, we come from a bunch of different backgrounds here. Maybe some of you are like this. Your background is, well, God's purpose for giving me grace is to make my life easier in this world. The purpose why God gives me grace is to make me more materially, socially comfortable. Or to prosper me materially in this time. No, that is a prosperity gospel, and that is not what we see throughout the word of God as to why he provides us grace. Maybe some of us would say, well, God provides me grace to give me strength and hope and, and redemption, and maybe some of us here are like, I actually don't know. What's the purpose of God's grace over my life? What's the point? See, here's the key. Here's why this question is so important, especially 
in our day today. Because if we are to trust in God's pursuit of grace and his provision of grace over our lives, we must understand God's purpose for grace towards us. And herein lies the problem that you face today and will face tomorrow and I face today and will face tomorrow and again the next day. Here's the problem we face, ready? Often we don't trust in God's grace. Do we? We don't trust him. We don't trust his plans because we can't see the whole picture. We don't trust his purposes is he really working out of love for me? Is he really motivated? Like, is he? We don't trust his love. We don't trust in his grace in what we face in the trial. Look around us today. Are you trusting in God's grace or something else to deliver you? How about this? We don't trust in God's grace in the day-to-day. I got this, God. I've got my schedule all laid out. I'm in control. I don't need to seek you. I've got it all. My ducks are lined in a row. We don't trust him in our parenting. And man, don't, hey, parents in this room, wouldn't you say we need God's grace for parenting? Yeah, big time. Love you, kids. We don't, students, we don't trust him often with our schooling. We don't trust him in our relationships. I know who I should have and who I should be dating, not God. We don't trust him with our finances. And what's the result of this unbelief? You're, you see it all over the place. Rebellion instead of submission to the Lord. Grumbling and not praise. Dependence on self and other things instead of the Lord. And ultimately, what do we end up doing? Enter Jonah, we end up running from him. We face it every day. That's the battle of the heart. In sum, what do we do? We waste his provision of grace. We waste the grace. So here's the big idea. I want to encourage us. I want to encourage us tonight. So good. Ready? Big idea. This whole message is going to unpack this. It's the thread. Write this down. God has a purpose for his grace towards you. Wherever you find yourself right now, whatever you are facing, listen, God has a purpose for his grace towards you, and you and I must trust in him. He's got a purpose. Everyone say, he's got a purpose. He's got a purpose. And here in our text, we're going to see three truths that we must believe, loved ones. If we are to understand the purpose of God's grace towards us and then respond in faith to him as we trust in him to see his glory and power in and through our lives. You ready to go? Let's grab God's word. Let's stand to honor the authority of it, and we will read it together. Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Okay, kids, nice and loud. Let's read God's word together. Hear the word of the Lord. Ready? Jonah's prayers, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple." Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Hear the word of the Lord. And all God's people said... 
Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, the first thing we see right here, church, is this. God purposes his grace to lead you, ready, to the right decision. Hey, whatever you face today, whatever you will face tomorrow, in the day-to-day, in the trial, in the hurt, in the pain, listen, there is always a right decision. Do you know what it is? I will cry out to him. I would say, what do I do in this situation? Cry out to God. I will cry out to him. God purposes his grace to lead you to him. It's the purpose of God's grace to lead you to him. Will you cry out to him? All right, ready? Let's get our context. I've been waiting. I've been so excited for this. Check out this. Here's the context. Ready? Go. Put it on the screen, team. There it is. Oh, yeah. That's like the best unpacking of context ever that I've done. Here it is. Here's the context. There. And what's going on? Why is there this big fish, kids? What's the deal here? We are in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. I love that. Now recall this. Jonah's in rebellion against God. Why is Jonah in this fish? Well, here's the reality. Jonah thought that he would rather have died. Remember from chapter 1? Jonah thought he would rather have died than go to Nineveh. And so he's been tossed over by the sailors. And what happened to the tempest? The tempest ceased. God stopped the tempest. The sailors get saved. And here's the thing. Jonah's sitting in the belly of that fish. And he has no idea what happened to the sailors. Yeah, he's got no idea. He's in a fish. And so Jonah has been swallowed by this great fish. And here's the thing. He still refused to repent from rebelling against the Lord. So what happened? What did God do out of his grace towards Jonah? For the past three days and three nights, look at that, look at that fish. In a dark, stinky, gross I mean, we thought we had it bad in our houses the last year. Stinky, gross, uncomfortable, disgusting belly of a fish. He's sitting in there for three days and three nights. And look, that as you see that picture, that is the picture of how we, you and I, let's not get on Jonah so much. Let's, let's, let's look at ourselves here. This is the picture of how we can be so entrenched in our sin and in our pride and unwilling to repent and is the picture of how far we're willing to go to hang on to those idols that we're chasing away from the Lord in our lives. Even if I'm not giving it up, Lord. I'm not giving it up, Lord. Take what you, I'm not giving it up. Here it is. Here it is. How about you today? And see, Here's the, you notice how this chapter is written a bit different from the rest of the book? The format looks all different. Why? Well, recall this. Jonah is writing this chapter after he's come out of the fish, right? So, so he's written the book of Jonah after he's got out of the fish. He's back and he's recalling events. This chapter two is Jonah recalling events from the time he was chucked over the boat to the time the fish swallowed him up. Okay? And so that's chapter two, those events. I'm overboard till the time he was puked up. And he writes this, you notice the format? He writes this as a song or poem of confession. It's a poem, it's a song. He's writing of confession, praise, and thanksgiving to the Lord of saving his life with the fish. Look at what he starts out, verses one and two. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying this, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. See, finally, here, here it is, here it is. By God's grace, Jonah goes overboard. He hits the water, he starts sinking, and he, 
he finally prays a prayer of desperation to the Lord. And he says that as he was sinking in that water, he called out to God in his distress. Notice this, he says, from the belly of Sheol. What is Sheol? That's a Hebrew term for uh, the place of the dead, the underworld. And he felt like the belly of the fish. This is the underworld. As he's going down and sinking, he's going to death. And what, Now I want you to notice the wording here. Verse two, back to the first part. I called out to the Lord out of my distress. That's very important to note. This is not a, the Hebrew phrase is not a half-hearted, hey God, I'm in a little bit of trouble. I'm gonna try all these other things. Could you just get me out of this though, please? That's not what he's talking about when he says, I called out to the Lord. This is not a half-hearted cry. This is not flippantly, well, I've got other options on the table. This is, the Hebrew term there means a summon, a plea for help. It is desperation and intensely prayed for deliverance. See, here's what happens when Jonah hits the water and he starts to go down. Jonah now understands. He clues in that he's hopeless unless God acts on his behalf. Jonah's completely dependent on the Lord. And you and I will not cry out to God in desperation if we don't believe that each day. Whether you realize it or not, you and I are completely desperate for the grace of God over our lives every day. And Jonah finally gets it. Now, I want you to notice something. I want you to encourage you with this. At the end of verse two, did you see it in the text? God, as he always does, when the desperate cry out to him as their only hope, what does it say right there? Last, last line of verse two, and you heard my voice. He heard Jonah's cry as Jonah's drowning. I don't know how he cried out. Maybe just his own heart. Water's coming in his mouth. I don't know, but he cried out. And God heard as Jonah was sinking in the sea and God answered him by his grace, having, remember, already appointed a great fish to rescue him. The grace was already on the way. Loved ones, look around today. You and I, in this world, is crying out to so many things to sustain us, to help us, deliver us peace and joy and strength and hope and rescue that only God can bring. We cry out, you say, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Let's, let's get the juices flowing, ready? We cry out to other people. I'm gonna cry out to these people because if they make that decision, then I'll be free. And then I will have the peace and satisfaction I'm after. I'm gonna cry out to other people because if I get a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a spouse, then I'll be satisfied. I'm gonna cry out to other people to fulfill what only Jesus Christ can for me in my life. We do it with possessions. How much is enough? A little bit more, a little bit more. If I just get this, I'll have more security. If I just get a bigger bank account, if I just have more stuff, I'm gonna be secure, and then it won't be taken away. Look what happened over COVID. You think that's the case? I'm gonna cry out to pornography, to escape, to fill a void. I'm gonna cry out to my health. I have to have a certain body image type. I have to be a certain weight. I have to be able to do certain things. And so I'm crying out, if I have this health, then I'll be good. I'm gonna cry out to positions and success. If I have this opportunity, then I'll be satisfied. If I have this, then I'll be delivered out of my, my feelings of insignificance and all of it. If I just get that opportunity, I'm gonna cry out to food to numb the anxiety in me. I'm gonna cry out to the freedoms of how I want to live. Hey, loved ones, I wanna tell you something. Eyes up here. No matter, look, look at the word of the Lord. No matter how far, no matter how deep you have gone from him. There's a pick, ready? Hear this, God 
always draws near to the desperate. You say, I've been chasing those things for so long. God always draws near to the desperate. He did at the bottom of an ocean. He'll do it with you today. God always draws near to the desperate, completely desperate for him all the time, every time is the right time to call on him and God provides you his grace, the purpose of it, to lead you to do just that. See, God has purposed his grace to lead you to him. Question confronting you and I, will you cry out to him? See, here's the key. We need to understand from verses one and two. The purpose of God's grace, loved ones, is never to lead you to anything further from him. That's not why God gives us grace so we can run after vain idols. God never purposes his grace and says, I'll give you this so you can go chase those things that will absolutely destroy you and will hurt you. And lead, but, but he purposes his grace to lead you and I to him. It's never to lead you to cry out to anyone or anything else, but to cry out to him alone. And I want you to think about this. Think about this. Look at your patterns over this last week, even. The last two weeks, last month. Look at your patterns, loved ones. What are the things you're most tempted to cry out to and depend on to rescue you? How much, how much of the time, just think about it in your seats, how much of your time was spent this past week crying out to social media or to God? Crying out to your self-effort or to God? How much of the week? Let's just be, hey, loved ones, this is, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. If you're saved. Let's just be real before the Lord. How much? Look at your patterns. See, saying, if, if I just get angry enough, that person will do what I want. If, if I just have enough control, then I'll be okay. If I just have enough of living how I want to live, so I can build my own kingdom, saying, God, my kingdom come and your kingdom go, then I'll be okay. Or, or here's another one. How, how many times we're crying out to the position or opportunity I want. If I just get this, just let's be honest. God purposes his grace never to lead you to depend on those things because he knows where they will lead you to destruction and hurt and they will ensnare you. And out of his great love for you, he lovingly, you ever notice this church? God lovingly removes those things that we pursue that aren't him, that he knows will hurt us as he did with Jonah. You're not going to Tarshish, Jonah. That will destroy your intimacy with me. Your love for me will grow cold. And my power will not be displayed through you how I desire it. You're not going to Tarshish. I love you too much. Hey, he does this so that you will cry out to him, know him, rest in him, put your faith in him, and be changed by his marvelous grace towards you. Hey, um, it's always the right decision to cry out to the Lord. In every situation, no matter what, it's always the right decision. Why? Because God will hear and will draw near. God will hear and will draw near. And here's, here's the beautiful reality. I've said this a number of times. I'm going to say it again. Ready? You and I would want what God wants if we knew what God knows. We never see the whole picture. God will hear and draw near. God purposes his grace to lead you to the right decision to cry out to him and to help us cry out to him. Look at this graciousness. God purposes his grace to lead you, ready? To a realigned perspective. A realigned perspective that says, I will remember the Lord. In what I'm facing right now, 
in what's going on around me, I will remember the Lord. See, God purposes his grace to give right perspective, loved ones. Will you remember him? What a crucial question for our day. See, here in verses 3 to 7, Jonah now describes in detail what was happening and what he was thinking as he was cast overboard by the sailors and he began to sink down in the water. And we see here over these five verses how his perspective changes from being on the horizontal events right in front of him. This is a good word for us today, huh? His perspective changes from being on the horizontal events right in front of him to focusing Eyes off here, eyes up here. Focusing vertically, fixing his gaze on who God is, and he's over the situation. Look at verse three, it's so good. Watch this. For you, Jonah says, cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and all your billows passed over me. You see the perspective switch that happened in verse three? Did you catch it? Did you catch it? What's he recognizing here? The switch. His perspective now starts to get vertical and he recognizes God's authority and sovereignty over his situation. Did you see it? Look what he says in verse three. For you, God, cast me into the deep. Jonah recognized it was God working through the sailors. You cast me, God. It wasn't the sailors cast me, it was you. You are working out your plan. You are sovereign. And it would be encouraged with this today, church. God will even use people who do not fear him to accomplish his purposes. He cannot be stopped. You be encouraged with that tonight, church. Remember, you say, well, we, we got to get this out of here and we got to do that. God will even use those who don't fear him to accomplish his purposes. Why? Because he's sovereign. You can't stop him. That's good news tonight, huh? Come on, somebody. You cannot stop him. And so he recognizes, notice the first thing, you cast me into the deep through those sailors, and did you notice again what he recognized? Look at the verticality right here in verse three. He recognizes it was God who created, commanded the waves and the billows over him. Did you see that? Your waves, your billows passed over me. You are the creator and I am not. You are God and I, see that perspective switch? No more, it's I'm doing my thing. Now he's like, I'm recognizing you for who you are. See, what God's doing here, God is realigning Jonah's perspective. He says this, be like this. Okay, Jonah, okay. Jonah, you think running? You think, you think running to the water is a better option, Jonah? Is that, is that going to give you what you want, Jonah? You think that's a better option for you? you? You think, Jonah, that you know the better way than my way? You've got a better way, Jonah? Oh, okay. You, you think jumping into the water is what you really want? You think, that, you think that's it? It's going to give you what you're after? You think it's going to deliver you? Okay, here you go toss. Here you go, Jonah. Here you go. Hey, question. How's that working for you as you're sinking and drowning? Is that really what you wanted? It's what you went after. Hey, question. How do you think that's going to work out for you and I today, running from him? Living with a horizontal perspective. I see the picture. I know the best way. I've got it figured out. It's not going to work, loved ones. And, and here's the question. Where do you need to submit and trust in God's sovereignty and stop thinking you have a better way? Right now. That you know what needs to happen. Really? You sure? You sure? Just go back to the word of the Lord. The one who commands the wind and the waves in the hearts of man. So look what happens. Verses four to seven. This is amazing. Then I said, so Jonah goes on. He realized he made a bad decision. 
He says, I'm driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. You imagine Jonah sinking. Here's, what, here's what's going on. Jonah's sinking, and he says, the weeds are wrapped about my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you in your holy temple. Now, I want you to notice something here because as I mentioned last week, sometimes we get this picture that uh, Jonah, as soon as he hit the water, God had the fish come up and swallow him right away. Or even in some kids' Bibles, is basically chucking right into the fish's mouth. Or like Jonah floats around on a little safety ring for a while before the fish comes. Look at what the Word of God says. This is magnificent. The fish didn't show up as soon as Jonah hit the water. God could have done that. Wait a sec, why didn't he? The fish didn't show up as soon as Jonah hit the water. Instead, Jonah hits the water, and the Lord allows him to do what? Just read the text. What does he do? Sink to the bottom, the roots of the mountains. The roots, the bottom. Why? Here's why. So that Jonah might grasp the seriousness of the consequences of his choice to run from God. This is a miracle. Did you know I did some research this week? Do you know the average depth of the Mediterranean Sea is 1,500 meters? He's not right by the shore, waiting. He's sinking at least 1,500 meters down. Can you just picture it? As Jonah's going down, God's like, is this really what you want? Is it still what you want? Is it still what you think you have the best way? Is it still? Look at the consequences of what you're pursuing. God allowed him to suffer the consequence, to realign his perspective. See, and then Jonah realizes that what he thought he wanted, yeah, no kidding, what he thought he wanted, he doesn't actually want. It was a bad idea to get tossed. This wasn't what I signed up for. Any of us made a bad decision? We think, this is the right, this will give me what I'm after. And then you make that decision, and you're like, ouch. Here's Jonah. He goes into the water, but then look at the next perspective switch in verses four to seven. So first one, he gets vertical away from his horizontal situation. He gets and recognizes the authority and sovereignty of God. And now look what happens in 4 to 7. Perspective switch back to the vertical on God's faithfulness, mercy, and grace and love towards him. He remembers. See, Jonah felt like he was banished. Verse 4, driven away. The Hebrew term there is banished or cast out from God's sight. He felt like he had no hope as he sunk lower and lower in the water, down, verse 6, to the roots of the mountains. And here, here, here's a little snapshot of what he is seeing here. You'll see it on the screen. The roots of the mountains. Here's Jonah. Beyond hope by any human craft. And the weeds are wrapped around his head and his life, as you see in verse 7, he felt as it was fainting away. He's like, I'm dead. I'm gone. I have no hope. He was at the point of death. Verse 6, the gates of Sheol, the bars, were about to close on him forever. Hey, question. Just look at that screen. How's chasing Tarshish looking for you now, if that's you? Is it delivering you the comfort you want? Doing it your way? Welcome to the path and the outcome of unrepentant sin. Sin will never lead you closer to God. It will only move you further away. See, and as his perspective shifts off himself now, what I want, my agenda, my kingdom, 
off himself, off his desire for sin, and off his circumstance, notice what he does. He remembers who God is. Verse 4 and verse 7. Right there. That he served the Lord who would hear him. And when he cried out to his loving, gracious, merciful, abounding and steadfast love, patient God, God would not be sitting there as Jonah's going down being like, you blew it. Call out to someone else. Jonah remembered who God was, a God of mercy, a God of power, a God of grace, a God of love. And God is saying, I'm not sitting over there with you with condemnation. You come back to me and I will rescue you. You will know my grace. You will know my steadfast love. Stop running. There is no shame. You are mine. Jonah remembers. He's gone so far, and yet he remembers the relentless grace of God. Loved one, are you and I remembering the relentless grace of God over your life today? So many of us sitting in shame and, and, and condemnation. Are you remembering the Lord? Lift your eyes. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. Amen? Jonah remembers the Lord, that he served the Lord who would hear him. And he's filled, notice this? He's filled with confidence. Look at verse four. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. This isn't the end. He's filled with confidence in who his covenant-keeping God is. He knew he would not be forsaken. Jonah remembers the Lord. Now, super important. Verse seven, circle the word Lord in verse seven. It is all capitals, capital L-O-R-D. And every time you see that name of God in the Bible, it means Yahweh. The most sacred name of God. And you say, what is Jonah remembering when he says, I remembered the Lord? Not the one of many gods, not my sort of option. And then the rest, he says, I remember the Lord. Yahweh means this, the God who absolutely is, ready, ready? The one who absolutely is the standard of truth. The one who absolutely is true justice. The one who absolutely is true mercy. The one who absolutely is true love, steadfast love, and relentless grace. The one who absolutely is forgiving, and patient, and kind, and merciful, and sovereign. The one who absolutely is promise-keeping, loyal, good, and faithful. That's where you want to go. Remember the Lord, the one who's sovereign over the wind and waves, the one who's sovereign over the chaos and brings it back into order. This is amazing grace. This is what Jonah is remembering right now. And as such, what does Jonah do? Do you see the text? He throws himself on the mercy of God. He's like, I'm out of options. I'm at the end of myself. And so often God will let us get to the end of ourselves. You want to think you go there? So that he will bring us in his grace back to him. Jonah throws himself on the mercy of God. He cries out to God in his temple. Verse seven, what's the temple? Jerusalem, that was the dwelling place of God. And he cries out to God and look what happens when Jonah realizes that in spite of his rebellion, in spite of his pride, in spite of his stubbornness and his selfishness, and in spite of his love for self over God, in spite of his love for self over the lost, the Ninevites, in spite of his greed, in spite of his treasuring of comfort, and despite his rebellion and realizing that he's completely undeserving to be saved, God, watch this, God by his grace would not forsake Jonah. And when he's at the end of himself, verse six, God brings up, you see that right in the text? Go back to the text. He brings up Jonah's life from the point of death, from the grave, and he saved him through a fish. You and 
I can't outrun God's grace. You and I cannot outrun God's grace. It is relentless. No matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, you cannot outrun his grace. Will you remember who he is right now? It's so easy to get our eyes off the Lord, isn't it, right now and today? Hearing the anger and the loudness and all the chaos and all the news and social media. Can we just put that aside and say, Lord, I want to remember you. I need to get to you. Shift, realign my perspective. See, God purposed his grace to lead Jonah to get his eyes off his situation. God purposed his grace to lead Jonah and to lead us today off eyes off ourself and our own glory and not to camp out in self-pity, not to sit in despair and hopelessness. God purposed his grace to turn our eyes off trying to do things our way and build our own kingdom and seek our self-glory. And what did God purpose his grace? And God's grace led him to a right remembrance of who the Lord was and his heart of love and mercy towards Jonah. And in response, what did Jonah do? He cried out to him. And I just want you to look at this mountain pick right here again. There's Jonah at the roots And think about this. Ready? Eyes up. How deep, how far will God's love, mercy, and grace go to rescue those who call on him? No one's too far gone. What an awesome God. Why would we look anywhere else? Why would we cry out to any other thing? Hey, God purposes his grace to give right perspective. Will you remember him in what you're facing today? When you see the events of our day and this pandemic and all the stuff that's happening here in our city and across this world, will you remember the Lord? Because so many times we just fix our gaze on the situation, don't we? We, f- we read the news reports, we listen to the social media, and we refuse to remember the God who's over it and working his salvation, as the psalmist says, in the middle of it. The one who holds the heart of a king in his hand, and it is like a stream of water to him. So quickly we forget. And you... Are you remembering God in this pandemic? In this trial? In your sickness? In your hardship? In your job? With all these protests going on, are you remembering the Lord? Are your eyes vertical? In your schooling, in your relationships, in your parenting, in your marriage, are you remembering the Lord? How do you know if you're not? How do you know? I want this to be very helpful. Ready for some soul care? Here we go. Here we go. Write this down. How do you know if you're not living with a right perspective from God's grace? Here it is. Number one. You get anxious. Isaiah 26 makes it clear that God keeps those in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. You get anxious. It's time for a realignment, loved one, to remember the Lord over that situation. Here's another one. Ready? You get fearful. Anyone feel afraid lately? Let's get our eyes on the Lord. How about this? We start to grumble over our situations. And you know what we say when we're grumbling, even though we may not express it with our lips? God, I know better than you. Do you? Jonah thought he did. Do you? I'm going to grumble that I can't live how I want to live right now. I'm going to grumble about this. Okay. Is that going to help you? 
Here's another one. I get impatient. When I need a perspective realignment, I'm getting impatient. My time, God. This should have happened like yesterday. I'm ready for these things. I'm ready for that position. I'm ready to do these things. I don't need to wait. I'm getting impatient. Come on, Lord. We get impatient. End it already. We don't trust his timing. Here's another one. Ready? How do we know our eyes are off the Lord? We're constantly striving in our own effort to try the next thing. If I just work harder at this, then I'll be secure. If I just work harder here, then I'll have the approval of man. If I just do, if I just do. It's time for a realignment, loved one. Are you remembering the Lord? Here, here's another one. How do we know our eyes are off the Lord? We're not being still and drawing near to him and knowing that he is God. And that he's going to be exalted among the nations. Isaiah 46.10 says, be still and know. Remember that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted among the earth. I've got this. Be still. Remember me. Draw near to me. Stop freaking out. Loved one. Be still. And you know what's interesting? God made sure Jonah had to be still for three days. Where's he going to go? He's in a belly of a fish. Think God's telling him something? Time to be still, Jonah, and know that I'm God. And you're not getting out till you do that. See, loved ones, it's time for a perspective realignment. It's time for a realignment for our assignment that is given to us by our king. To go and make disciples and not to go and make division. Go and make disciples of all nations, the great commission from our king, and don't go and make division in the church or outside of it. So I want you to do this, loved ones. Write down those things that you're facing, those areas of sin that need to be dealt with, and take uninterrupted time this week to repent and write down the promises of God that speak to those areas specifically. And pray and declare them back to God day after day after day. Loved ones, take time to remember the Lord. Let your prayer come to him. Set your mind on things above and not be distracted by the things of man, and watch what happens. That is the purpose of God's grace for you. Remember him. See, God purposes his grace to lead you to a right decision to cry out to him, to lead you to a realigned perspective to remember him. And from all this, lastly, God purposes his grace to lead you, ready? All to this, a resulting confession that says, I will follow him. I will follow him. The purpose of grace, hey, loved ones, here it is. The purpose of grace is to save you, not destroy you. Will you follow the Lord? Look at verses eight and nine. Jonas says, this is beautiful. Eyes off himself in the situation. Now he's got vertical perspective. He's ready to go. Look what he says. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. Boom. Yes, Lord, but I, with a voice of thanks, look it, his grumbling is turned to praise when he got his eyes on the Lord. Yes, Lord, come on, do this work. I, with a voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. See, after Jonah cried out to God and his perspective had been realigned to the truth of who God is and his heart towards Jonah, it leads him to submit to God's way. And what does it result in? No more grumbling, no more running, worship. See that? Worship, thanksgiving, confession. And I want you to notice something right here. I was so blessed by this in sermon prep. Watch this. Jonah's circumstance, he's still in the belly of the fish. His circumstance hasn't changed. So often we think, well, I'll get out of this situation, then I'll praise the Lord. God in his grace has not allowed Jonah's circumstance to be changed yet. 
Because here's the thing, it wasn't the circumstance that needed to change, it was Jonah's heart. You think, well, I gotta get that next thing. No, the heart needs to change. Not the circumstance, because there will always be another reason to run. Always. His circumstance hasn't changed, but his perspective, dependence, and response sure has. He's committing and worshiping, not waiting to see if things got better. No more, well, it's just so hard to follow you, God. Now it's, I'm going to be faithful wherever you have me, God. There, realigned perspective. And he confesses, hey, verse eight is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Write it out, eight and nine. And keep it like on your mirror, on your smartphone, whatever it is. Keep it in front of you. Notice what he does. He says, those who pay regard to vain idols. Pay regard means to, the Hebrew there means to keep or preserve or attend to my idols. Make sure I have them all with me. Or put my hope in or worship them. And vain idols, you know what that is? It means worthless and empty. Worthless and empty to deliver you. What, is it? what happens? We forsake That means to abandon or reject their hope of the steadfast love of God and grace, his grace in that situation. You're forsaking him and what's available to you to run after these things that are empty, like a vapor. Leave you at the bottom of the ocean. But notice this. The word steadfast there, the Hebrew word, it's the strongest word for covenant love. It actually means Hesed. You ready for some Hebrew? My guttural needs a ton of work, but do that with me. Ready? Hesed. One, two, three. Hesed. All right. Way to go, K team. So here's the thing, right? Hesed means covenant, loyal, unfailing, abundant mercy, grace, goodness, and kindness of God. Hey, loved one, let me ask you the question. Do you want to forsake that for the idol of your position? Do you want to forsake that, the steadfast love of God, for the comfort you think you want? Do you want to forsake the steadfast love of God for that position you think you're ready for, but you're not? That vain idol you've made it, that relationship, those finances? See, Jonah knows firsthand where that leads, and he's pursued the vain idols of self, comfort, ease, and he knows where they lead, only away from the Lord. And he knows again firsthand that salvation That means deliverance, rescue, and freedom only comes from the Lord. And what's the result here? Just look at the text. He submits to the Lord and confesses without knowing what was going to happen. He didn't know he was about to be puked up. But in spite of it, he confesses that he will follow the Lord wherever I've decided to follow, no turning back, and fulfill the mission God called him to. There was one confession. Let me ask you a question. What's your resulting confession today? Who will you follow? The tides of culture, the opinion of man, or our Lord and God? And now that God's got Jonah's heart, verse 10, look. And Lord spoke to the fish. I love that. You ever wonder what language fish is? That's that's awesome. God spoke to the fish. Here's another miracle. And it vomited Jonah, puked him up upon the dry land. See, God restores Jonah. We're not sure exactly where Jonah was puked up. (laughs) But, But most likely, most likely, he's puked up back where he started on the shore of Joppa. Why? Because the shortcuts you and I try to take in our faith are always the longest ways around. Are you trying to shortcut Lord's grace over your life? It's always the longest way around. Jonah's back where he started. And God says to him right here, now you're ready. I've got your heart. Let's try this again, Jonah. No more running. And today we live in a world obsessed, loved ones, with promoting idolatry at every turn begging us to pay regard to its worthless idols of self, effort, comfort, relationships, body image, jobs, money, status, sex, food, pride, 
having your way, control your way, and so much more. And day by day, you will wake up tomorrow tempted with this, as will I. Maybe you are even right now. Day by day, we must return to the Lord, remember him, and confess with Jonah that we will forsake those idols and worship the Lord alone, knowing that salvation, deliverance only comes through him. It's a daily confession. The purpose of grace is to save you, not destroy you. Will you follow the Lord? And if you're here and you've never confessed Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, God has not brought you here by accident. I want you to notice something here. The word salvation in verse 9, do you know what the Hebrew word for salvation is there? It is Yeshua. It is Yeshua. It is the Hebrew name for the Son of God, the only Messiah, Jesus Christ. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation is through Jesus Christ alone, Yeshua. God saved a drowning man by sending a whale. But now he saves people drowning in sin when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come to earth, Yeshua himself, as fully God and fully man and live a perfect life, never sinning once, went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, the sin that separates you and I from God, and we're desperate for a Messiah. And Jesus died and was buried for three days and rose again three days later, just like Jonah's coming out of that fish three days later after going into the ground. And now he offers forgiveness of sin and freedom and eternal life in him for all who repent of their sin and say, Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. I need you. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And there is no other name given among men by which we must be saved than the name of Jesus. Will you come to him? You are not beyond his saving grace. And brothers and sisters who've made that decision, here's our challenge from this. What idols are you worshiping that are leading you to forsake your hope of finding steadfast love of the Lord in your life in that situation? What do you need to repent of and return to the Lord with a renewed confession? And you say, well, how do I know what an idol is? I wanted this to be helpful. Tim Keller, Pastor Tim Keller, an author, he does a great job of defining this. You're gonna find this helpful to write down. Here it is. An idol is whatever you look to and say in your heart of hearts, if I have that, if I have that wife, if I have that husband, if I have that job, if I have that position, here it is, if I have my freedoms back that I think I should have, then I'll feel my life has meaning, then I'll know I have value, and then I'll know I have significance and security. Welcome to idolatry. Loved ones, all of what you're searching for there, the security, the significance, the value, the meaning, that is all found in Jesus Christ through the glorious gospel of grace. He is where significance and security is found. Don't forsake him anymore. Stop running. There is only pain down that road. And loved ones, through Jesus Christ alone, God has given and purposes his grace to lead you to that right decision, to cry out to him, to lead you to a realigned perspective that remembers him and the resulting confession that says, I will follow him. And in these days, this fearful world we live in needs a fearless church to pursue them. Loved ones, don't wait. Redemption is near. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we just take this moment right now. That is a convicting word. And I thank you for your beautiful word, the mirror that it is in our lives. And Lord, I pray right now that all across this place and all online, there would not be defensiveness. Yeah, but there would be humility. There would be teachability. There would be desperation. Lord, I pray we would not hear a message like this and to just walk away. But Lord, would you do business with us right now?
Lord, would you hear our cries just as you heard Jonah from the depths of the ocean. You heard his cry. Would you hear our cries right now to say, God, I'm pursuing this vain idol. God, I'm, I'm, I'm forsaking your steadfast love over my life for that, really? I need to cry out to you. I'm crying out to other things. I need to remember who you are. God, would you please lead us by your grace? Thank you that your grace is sufficient for us and your power is made perfect in our weakness. Oh God, would you unite your church today that we would leave here refreshed, encouraged, strengthened, and expectant in faith, confident in our God who is sovereign over all that we see, all that we hear, and we can trust in you as we look to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Loved ones, will you stand and respond in worship?